Hello, and welcome to The Shining Light, where we are shining the light of the gospel and speaking the truth in love, providing strength, and stirring the hearts of our listeners. We are so glad to have you joining us today as you listen to this message from Pastor Tim Cruz. Stand with me as we turn together to the book of Proverbs. Back to Proverbs chapter 15. If you'll find your place here, we're going to read one verse to begin with. We're going to look at this passage of Scripture and uh, look at some things this morning concerning this topic, this theme of the anatomy of wisdom. Proverbs is a book of wisdom. It gives us knowledge, understanding, the ability to see things from God's perspective, to see things for what they really are, and to make wise choices. So we read here in Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 4. Let's read it aloud together. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. Thank you. You may be seated. I was thinking about the anatomy of wisdom and then the anatomy of the human body. The branch of science that studies the structure of the body. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. The word formed means to squeeze into shape as the potter does the clay. I think about this all-inspiring creation of the human body. There is nothing else in the universe quite like it. Delicate yet powerful. Incredibly complex, but at times amazingly simple. So sophisticated is this created body by the hand of God. Our bodies contained 100,000 miles of blood vessels and almost 40 trillion cells. Think of that. Oh, what a God. What a great creator. The size of a baby's eyes at three months old is the size they'll remain into adulthood. Isn't that amazing? Just different facts and things that I read about the body, uh, the anatomy that God created and designed. Skin is our largest organ. Renewing itself approximately every 28 days, it provides a barrier to germs and bacteria and helps regulate body temperature. It also enables us to sense touch and pain and heat and cold. Skin thickness varies throughout the body with the thickest or the thinnest skin found on our eyelids and the thickest located on our palms and the soles of our feet. Our bodies have impressive healing skills in a variety of ways. Bones can heal themselves. Skin constantly replaces itself. The brain can make new connections. Lungs can generate healthy cells. The liver has truly incredible self-repair capabilities. It can actually regenerate. Think of that. After surgery, the liver can regenerate two-thirds of its volume in, its, in as little as a few weeks. Amazing, this body, and that's just truly touching the surface. The most advanced machine on earth 
is not that which is made by man. It is this body that is designed and made by God. But you know, just like God teaches us how to have a healthy body, God teaches us how to have a healthy spirit. God wants you and me to have a healthy spirit. So many people today, that's the challenge. They may even have a healthy body, but an unhealthy mind, an unhealthy spirit. And God says, now I want you to see my prescription as the great physician, what I will do for you and how I will help you from my word if you will study and get my truth. Notice this. I want you to write this down this morning as God helps us to understand what it means to live a healthy spiritual life. What is involved in that? Number one, we find it in verse four here. It's a wholesome tongue. Write that down if you will, a wholesome tongue. The word wholesome is a medical term. It means to cure, to heal, to mend. God has given us in our tongue the power of death and life to heal, to wound. But God speaks of a wholesome tongue, one that will mend. We all have maladies of the mind and the spirit, and so many people don't know how to offer healing to others through their words for those inward maladies that we all carry to some measure or degree or another. We have to be exhorted and instructed according to the word of God as we read here in verse 1. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous or cutting words stir up anger. The word is sprout, gives rise to, gives life to, it quickens, it, it provokes, it prompts anger in others. God help us, God help me. The tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright, but the mouth of fools poureth out foolishness. Think of this. See, if you have the wisdom of God, the tongue of the wise, the anatomy of wisdom, a wise tongue uses knowledge aright to build up, not to tear down. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, you see, but a mouth of fools just poureth out foolishness, says what it thinks, says what it feels, says what it wants. And if you've got a problem with it, it's your problem, it's not theirs. I want to tell you that's totally backwards. The Bible says in Isaiah's day, the people of the Lord said, I will not be a healer. God says, you're my healer's that I've sent forth to speak the truth to one another. And in my truth, you will find healing not only for yourself and for yours, but for your nation. And they said, I will not be a healer. There's some people, they wouldn't say it just that way, but that really is the spirit behind the way they use their tongue. I'm not going to be a healer. I'm not going to heal. I'm not going to strengthen. I'm going to light into. I'm going to bear down upon. I'm going to tear apart if need be. God says, now you better be careful there because that's the mouth of fools. It just pours out, pours out without restraint in great measure. And it comes from an unending fountain. 
it continually pours out foolishness. You've got to understand the word fool in the Bible. The word fool literally means someone not without intellect, but someone who leaves God out. The fool has said in their heart that there is no God. So a foolish person is someone who says, there's no God, there's no accountability, there's no reason for me to have any kind of restraint or to let some kind of other teaching govern my life or my language or my love or anything else. There's no God to whom I'm going to stand before and give account one day. See, the Bible says there are those that pour out foolishness. I just say what I want to say. I'm not going to give account to, to God for this. I'm not going to meet it again one day. It's not going to be broadcast from the rooftop one day. I just, God says, be careful there. The unhealthiness that that generates not only in others, but it also reflects in you. That's coming out of a corrupt heart, a corrupt fountain. The eyes of the Lord are every, in every place, beholding the evil and the good. God is not only all-knowing, but he's omniscient. God knows everything, God sees everything, and God is everywhere at the same time. The Bible says in Job 34, verse 21, For his eyes are upon the ways of man, and he seeth all his goings. God sees you and God sees me. There is a God before whom we're going to stand one day and give account. And God wants us to take to heart today to receive instruction, to receive correction, to say, you know, I have erred. There are things that I've got to address right and renewed before God. Look in verse number 18. A wrathful man, the word wrathful, bawling over something always brewing within like a volcano just ready to explode all the time. A wrathful man stirreth up strife, stirreth up. The thought is to rub, to irritate. Is always irritating others because they're irritated themselves. But he that is slow to anger appeaseth strife to quiet, to calm down, to settle. You're either elevating, escalating a situation oftentimes or de-escalating. Now we all have room for improvement here. Isn't that right? But see, God says, so receive my instruction. And where you need to be corrected, stand corrected. Humble yourself and say, Lord, I'm out of line here. This isn't about where you are before someone else at this moment. This is about where you are before God. Each of us this morning. God says, I want you to have a tongue that is healthy, that builds up, that comes from a heart, a fountain within that is right, that is renewed daily before God. Notice what the Bible says in verse 23. A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth and a word spoken in due season. How what? How good is it? A word speak, spoken in, in due season. We learn how to speak the right words in the right time, in the right way, in the right spirit. It's a good thing. It's a gift. It's a blessing of God. Verse 26, the thoughts, the plans of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord, but the words of the pure are pleasant words. Underline that. I hope you're following along in your Bible. 
I hope you're processing this because I'm speaking this not just to be heard, but I'm speaking this to be repeated. You've got to teach this to someone else. Teach it to a, a child, a, a, an adult child. Teach it to someone in your life. Teach it to someone in your workplace. Pass this along to someone. This is truth that has been mined from the word of God that God has given to us, these golden nuggets of truth. The Bible says how good it is, how pleasant it is, the words of God being spoken unto our hearts and our minds. Oh, God wants us to receive this healing that he gives. Notice in chapter 16, in verse 24, pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. This is another study, but it's interesting what God gives us about true health here in the book of Proverbs. It's amazing people are looking for wealth. God speaks about wealth and he speaks about health, but in the right context. And God wants us to understand this. God wants us to see this. All these, the wisdom of the right words before the Lord. Oh, I think about what God wants us to learn today. How about you? Notice back in verse 7. The lips of the wise disperse knowledge, but the heart of the foolish doeth not so. The lips of the wise, they give. They freely give knowledge, instruction, things that are going to build people up, help them. But a foolish person is always talking about frivolous things, nothing of substance, nothing that matters, nothing that really means much. It's just simple. It's surface. Oftentimes it's just drama. Isn't that right? A lot of people live in that shallow pool of insignificance. What a sad life when we meet the Lord one day that we didn't apply ourselves to study, to knowledge, to understanding, to wisdom, to mine that from the gold mine of God's word and pass that along and share it with others I think it is interesting here. Just hold your place and look back in chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10. The Bible says in verse number 13, where you can see it in verse 11, the mouth of the righteous man is a well of life. See, a well of life. Out of it comes good things. Notice verse 13. In the lips of him that hath understanding, wisdom is found. Verse 14, wise men lay up knowledge, but the mouth of the foolish is near destruction. Verse number 19 of chapter 10, in the multitude of words there wanteth not or lacketh not sin. The more you say, the more you're apt to sin. So let your words be few. But he that refraineth his lips is what? Wise. Verse 20, the tongue of the just is as choice silver. The heart of the wicked is little worth. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for want or lack of wisdom. Think about what God is saying. Verse number 31, the mouth of the just bringeth forth wisdom, but the froward, that's the tongue that's turned aside in the heart from God shall be cut out. 
The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked speaketh frowardness. Think about that. The lips of the righteous, they, they study to answer. That means that they consider what should be said and what shouldn't be said. And they know at times they're like, well, hey, I shouldn't say that or shouldn't say it that way. Or maybe that wasn't the best times, so I've learned my lesson. See, are you teachable? Are you someone back in chapter 15 that you see that in verse 28? The heart of the righteous studieth to answer, but the mouth of the wicked poureth out evil things. The word studieth means to ponder, to think, to consider, to meditate upon. Do you learn? Are you teachable? Or do you have a wholesome tongue? Are the words that are coming forth from your mouth, are they words that reflect a heart that is where it needs to be before the Lord? Researchers say that 95% of our daily emotions are determined by the way you talk to yourself. So what have you told yourself today? I'm tired. I don't feel good. I don't know if I should go or not. Probably best if I stayed at home. Oh, I guess I'll go. I'll, I'll go anyway. I guess I should. Well, if I don't, I'll feel worse afterwards. Anybody else ever had that conversation? How many honest people do we have here today? Isn't that right? You understand? But how do you talk to yourself? The Bible says speaking to yourselves in Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Speaking to yourself, what do you say to yourself? What do you say to yourself? Your emotions oftentimes are determined by what you say to yourself. And you're like, well, no, here's the way I'm feeling. Well, the way you're feeling is rooted in with what you're thinking. And what you're thinking is based upon what you're meditating upon, what you're dwelling upon, what you're telling yourself. If you want to tell other people things that are healthy and wholesome, you need to tell yourself things that are healthy and wholesome. I'm saved. Why do you think I got stirred up today? I got stirred up this morning because when I was thinking immediately how tired I was, I shifted gears in my mind and I said, but you know, I am saved. And I thought, hallelujah. I said that in my heart, in my mind. I said, praise God, I'm going to heaven today. I get to preach this morning. I got stirred up. I got revived at home before I ever got to church. You understand that? What are you saying to yourself? Oh, a wholesome tongue. Number two, write this down. A merry heart. The Bible says in verse 13 of our text, Proverbs 15, a merry heart, a glad, joyful, rejoicing heart, jo rejoicing heart maketh a cheerful countenance. But by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. The heart of him that hath understanding seeketh knowledge, but the mouth of fools feedeth on foolishness. See, this is the wise heart. It is a merry heart, a glad heart. All the days of the afflicted, verse 15, are evil. But he that is of a merry heart hath a continual feast. All the days, days that God gives you to live, you're blessed to live, you have some measure of health, I think this is amazing. Some of us have good health, actually, outwardly, physically, but spiritually we don't, mentally we don't. 
And so in our minds, we're kind of jaded, we're kind of shaded, we're, we're darkened in our heart, we have some kind of malady in our spirit in that regard, and so we're down and we're depressed, and I understand that, I can respect that, and I do, and properly regard that, but what I'm challenging you this morning along this line is this, is that if you're not careful, you get to the point to where the Bible says here, all the days of the afflicted are evil, If you look at yourself like I'm afflicted, I'm tired, I'm weary, life is no good for me, I'm just a victim. See, of the afflicted, those who feel like they're a victim, they're blinded to the beauty of life, the gift of life, the sunshine, the next day, the next step, the next opportunity God has for them. Rather than living by faith, looking forward, they're living in despair, in fear, in unbelief and bondage as they look back with regret or frustration, anger, resentment. I'm telling you, God wants you to be healthy. God, I've learned, he taught me, he wants me to be healthy and one of the great ways he does that is by delivering me from me. If God can help me get over me, You say, no, it's this, it's that, it's the times in which we live. It's what was uh, done or said here. It's it's what I expect. No, it's not. It's not everything out here. It's everything going on in here, in your heart and in your mind. Oh, we've got to filter that through the lens of God's word. What does God say? God's grace is greater than our souls who sinned against us and broke our heart or were suffering because of the consequence of God's grace is even greater than that. And we have to dwell on it. But he that is of a merry heart, a joyful heart, hath a continual feast. I'm telling you, it's amazing. I've seen this oftentimes in my father-in-law. Because the first time I met him, I'd never seen anybody so joyful. Hello, Tim, how you doing? I can still see him coming around the back of his car shaking my hand the first time I met him on an accent in Salisbury where he brought Rebecca to, uh, for me to pick her up and she could ride with me back to Bible college. And so we spoke right there. I know he's had troubles and sorrows and burdens and battles. But I'll tell you, I know he walks with the Lord and I've just seen him so many times joyful in the Lord, joyful in the Lord, And that has spoken to me, it's challenged me. There's times when it's convicted me deeply. And I thought, Lord, I'm so blessed. But you know what? He learned to rejoice in the Lord, not in his circumstances improving. (laughs) Let me tell you, if you learn to rejoice in the Lord and you develop a, a merry heart, then you can see good in every day, in every opportunity. Instead of seeing the bad, and, and, and the obstacle, you'll see the opportunity. You'll see the prospect. You'll see the potential. You'll look at it and say, hey, that's, that's no match for me. I'm no match for it, but I'll tell you what, it's no match for my God. God's going to help me with this. I'm, I'm good. I'm going to take it on. I'm going to go forward in faith and see what God does. If you're not careful, you talk everything down. You talk yourself out of everything that God put in your life to test your faith, to temper it, to try it, to deepen it, to develop it, to strengthen it. And all of a sudden, you're sitting on the sidelines complaining about how hard life is. You never learn how to endure hardness. You never learn how to bear up in faith. 
You never learn how to thrive and prosper in your heart and in your spirit within while everything else was collapsing without. And we all can learn from this. God says this is a part of living a spiritually healthy life is not only having a wholesome tongue, but a merry heart, a heart that is glad and rejoicing in the Lord within. Oh, may it be so in each of our hearts today. We've heard it said that it takes less muscles to smile than to frown, right? Research has also shown that just how happiness can make you smile, smiling can make you happy. A 2019 paper that examined 50 years worth of data spanning 138 studies with over 11,000 participants worldwide found that facial expressions can prompt us to feel the emotions we associate with them. I thought, well, maybe we need to practice smiling a little bit more. If you smile a little bit more, maybe you'd smile a little bit more. Maybe you'd feel what you're reflecting, right? A little bit more. Maybe you'd feel better. Everybody look at me and smile. See, didn't that feel good? It made me feel good. (laughs) Have you ever had somebody look at you and they just smiled? I've had some people look at me and smile and I thought, oh no. Oh no. I'm worried about that, you know? Some smiles you just, you wonder about, you know, what are they up to, right? I don't tell you. Life's hard, but God's good. Isn't that right? And we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. God, help us today. Oh, I need this. I need my heart to be stirred toward the Lord, to be opened more and tender, not hardened, not shut down, not closed. God, open my heart so I can open my mouth with praise unto you so I can smile and rejoice in the Lord. I'll never forget I was going through one of the deepest trials of my life when I was a pastor here years ago, years ago. We had just started the school and facing all kinds of challenges. And I thought I was going to drown. In fact, I was convinced I was going to drown. I was drowning. And I remember just thinking, I didn't have a friend in the world it felt like. You've been there. Lord, I wonder what I'm going to do. Help me, Lord. And I'll never forget as I was pulling out of the parking lot one day, a teacher over in the uh, elementary parking lot area looked at me when, when she saw me and her little boy was with her. She just looked up and, and her and her son just like, hello, pastor, hello, just waved real big and smiled. They'll never know to this day what that meant to me in that moment. It's like just a rung of the ladder to keep my head above the water one more day. And I thought, well, there's a friend. There's somebody who's happy to see me. (laughs) I'll tell you, there are people that God will put not only in your life to help you, but there are people that God will put you in their life to help them. And sometimes all they need is a smile instead of a frown or a scowl or disappointment or expression of disapproval. Don't we all need that? As a child, when a child would come to you and they would have done something for you and it's like, here, Dad, here, Mom, 
They weren't looking for you to say, how did you get so dirty? Did you, did you pick my prettiest flowers? I remember when the boys came in, they found those wildflowers. You remember that? Daisies, weren't they? Beautiful daisies. I think it was Jared that came in. It's like he came in with this bouquet of flowers. He was so excited, and you kept them forever. You know, I remember us talking about that even recently. When a child does that, isn't it normally instinctive in us to say, thank you. Oh, these are beautiful. What that means to a child, that warmth, that smile, says love, regard, respect, appreciation, value. What you did something, what you did for me means something to me. That's what it says. And that's the way we ought to pray that God will help us to treat each other. You mean something to me. What you did for me means something to me. I'm not going to just critique it. I'm not going to pick it apart. I'm not going to demean it or diminish it or dismiss it. I'm going to embrace it and celebrate it. Life is good. Let's celebrate the Lord and the gift that he's given us in each other. Then lastly, a listening ear. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 1 says, Hear, my son, attend to my words. It literally means to prick up the ears, to hearken, to mark well, to even write it down. Many books can inform us, but only one book can transform us, and it's the word of God. We need to listen to what it says. You read in verse 31, The ear that heareth the reproof of life abideth among the wise. There it is again, the anatomy of wisdom. He that refuseth instruction despises his own soul. But he that heareth reproof getteth understanding. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. And before honor is humility. Let me ask you today, do you have a listening ear? Are you listening to what God says? Are you marking it well? Are you paying attention? Are you making at least a mental note? Or maybe a note somewhere? I know sometimes I'm in places I don't have a pen, so I'll take out my phone and I have the note app there, and I'll start taking notes. But do you write things down outwardly so they can be written on your heart and mind inwardly? God wants us to develop a listening ear. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Sometimes we're hearing, but we're not listening. We can develop a habit of that. We hear what's being said. Some of you hear me week in and week out. But you're not listening to what God is saying. You're not really paying attention. Because to hear it is to receive it, to process it, to let it speak to us, to instruct us, to correct us, to strengthen us. You see? That's what God wants us to understand. He wants us to live a spiritually healthy life by cultivating, say it with me, a wholesome tongue, a merry heart, and a listening ear. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, Now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. In particular, you're a part of what makes up the whole. There are diversities of gifts 
but unity and purpose. One writer said it this way, church is hard. Yes, it is. It's hard for the person walking through the doors afraid of judgment, for the pastor's family under the microscope of the entire body, for the prodigal soul returning home broken, battered by the world. It's hard for the young lady who looks like she has it all together but really doesn't. It's hard for the couple who fought the entire ride to church. It's hard for the single mom surrounded by others holding hands and living seemingly perfect lives. It's hard for the widow and the widower with no invitation to share lunch or other times of fellowship. It's hard for the dad with an estranged child. It's hard for the person singing songs overwhelmed by the weight of the lyrics. It's hard for the man who is insecure in his role as a leader, for the wife who longs to be led by a righteous man. It's hard for the nursery volunteer who desperately longs for a baby to love. Hard for the single individual praying for God's leading and timing with a mate. It's hard for a teenage girl wearing a scarlet letter ashamed of her past mistakes or that of a young man. It's hard for sinners. It's hard for me. It's hard because on the outside it all looks shiny and perfect. Sunday best in behavior and dress. However, underneath those layers you find a body of imperfect people, carnal souls, selfish motives. But here's the beauty of the church. The church isn't a building, a mentality, or an expectation. The church is a body. It's a body of sinners saved by grace, living in fellowship as saints in the eyes of God. It's a body of believers bound as brothers and sisters by an eternal love. Church is a holy ground where sinners stand as equals before the throne of grace. Church is a refuge for broken hearts and a training ground for mighty warriors Church is a converging of confrontation and invitation where sin is confronted and hearts are invited to seek restoration. Church is a lesson in faith and trust, a bearer of burdens and a giver of hope. Church is a family, a family coming together, setting aside differences, forgetting past mistakes and grievances, rejoicing in even the smallest of victories. Church, the body, the circle of sinners turned saints. It's where he resides. And if we ask, he is faithful to come. He said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. The one who lives within us, our bodies, the temple of God, manifests himself among us when we gather in his name. May God help us to have a healthy church body. A healthy church body is made up of healthy members. And healthy members of those are those who have a wholesome, a healthy tongue, a rejoicing, a merry heart, a listening and obedient ear. Thank you for listening to The Shining Light. We pray that this time has been a time of encouragement and blessing to you. 
The Shining Light is a production of Shining Light Baptist Church located at 2541 Old Charlotte Highway in Monroe, North Carolina. If you don't have a church home, we invite you to join us. Service times and more information can be found at our website, www.shininglightmonroe.com. You can also watch our services on Facebook and YouTube and connect with us on social media. Thank you for joining us, and God bless.